You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Dana Scully in the Multiverse of Molders by Anonymous Fiji Mermaid on AO3. Rating explicit. Table for one, please. The hostess looks down at the small woman in her professional black pantsuit standing in front of her. Then the hostess looks around at the restaurant she's been working at for the last six months. She sees the largely male clientele and a sea of hot pants that are the same color orange as a setting sun on a warm beach. Or more accurately, a traffic cone. Ma'am, the hostess says, helpfully leaning over the podium with a whisper. This is a Hooters. She points her right index finger at either the word Hooters on her shirt or at the Hooters underneath her shirt, and Scully is too annoyed to bother determining which one it is exactly. Yeah, I know that, Scully scowls, staring at the owl with the boobies for eyes on the white crop top tee stretched across the woman's pronounced chest. I repeat, table for one. The hostess shrugs and grabs a menu. Follow me, she says with an exuberant smile full of pearly whites. I'd like to sit at that table, Scully says, pointing to one in the corner. For Scully, this table is perfect for spying on her suspect. Well, technically subject, she thinks to herself. She sees a group of four men gathered around pitchers of beer and plates of disgustingly caloric fried food. She immediately recognizes a few familiar faces. One has long blonde hair, a Ramones shirt, and a pair of black horn-rimmed glasses. Langley, I see you exist here, she says aloud. And you still like the Ramones. Next to him, a man in a suit with kind brown eyes and a soft beard. Byers, there you are, she smiles. It's good to know this world has a gentle soul like yours. Then a squat gentleman with a face like a wise frog, clad in a long leather jacket. Fro Hickey, will you ever change, she says, trying to hide the smile. But that fourth guy, who is that? Just as she's about to get the mystery man into view... A pair of monumentally massive bazooms appear out of nowhere, eclipsing her line of sight. "'Can I get you anything, miss?' a waitress with a name tag, reading Bambi, asks. "'Yeah, you can get your big stupid tits out of my face,' Scully's brain says. But her mouth says, "'Sure, fine, whatever. What does everyone else get here?' "'Duh, the wings!' Bambi says, too exuberantly. "'Then that,' Scully says, impatiently waiting for the waitress to leave." When she finally does, Scully looks back at the table and really studies that fourth guy. He wears purple sweatpants, like he's the Incredible Hulk. He has a large sweatshirt that reads New York Knicks, and a pair of wireframe eyeglasses that are smudged with greasy fingerprints. He's in desperate need of a haircut, the beginnings of a mullet draping down over his neck, and he has a weird piece of dark facial hair growing on his chin. What even would you call that, Scully thinks. But the more she stares, the more it comes into focus. Sure, he's a little pudgier, a little skeevier. He has no sense of fashion, and he looks like he is in desperate, desperate need of a shower. Oh my god, can it be? Is it really? She whispers, just as Bambi interrupts her train of thought with a plate of steaming hot chicken wings. Can I get you some ranch dressing? Bambi asks. What? Scully says, scrunching up her face. Blue cheese? Why? I'll give you another minute with the menu. Bambi cheerfully says, her billboard of a smile shining as she walks away. Scully needs an opening to figure out if her hunch about this subject is right. She gets the opening when Langley picks up his empty beer pitcher, lifts himself up out of his chair, and walks over to the bar to get a refill. 
Scully rises from her table in her conspicuous pantsuit and sidles up beside Langley at the bar. Uh, hello there, she says. Langley looks around and then looks down at her snidely. Can I help you, lady? He says without a hint of recognition. Yes, you can. I'd like for you to introduce me to your friend, Scully says. Langley looks back at his table and his three friends, who are hammering down wings that are turning their fingernails a shade of Halloween plastic pumpkin orange. He turns to Scully with a raised eyebrow. You mean Byers? He's cute, isn't he? Women love that little beard. No, Scully says, shaking her head. Your other friend. Langley looks back at the table, taking stock of his friend group. Frohickey? You're freaky, lady, he says with a toothy grin, and I like it. No, Scully says, rolling her eyes. Your other, other friend. Langley looks back at his table, computes all of the possibilities in his mind. Then, when he's run through every last possible scenario, he turns back to Scully. Wait, Fox? Fox Mulder? It's him, she thinks. It's really him. That pudgy little nerd is actually Mulder. If that's, uh, the name of the guy in the Nick sweatshirt, Scully says, plain dumb, then yes. Langley stares at her for a few seconds. Then his puzzled face changes to a scowl. Look, lady, I love a practical joke as much as anyone, but that is cruel. It's not a joke, Scully says, surprised. Stop putting me on, Langley says. I'm the guy's roommate, so I know better than anyone how little action he gets. Hell, Frohickey gets more women than Fox. Scully looks into Langley's eyes with a genuine gaze. I really want to meet him. There's something alluring about him. Well, okay, girl. It's your funeral, Langley says with a shrug. What did you say your name was? Scully needs an alias. She struggles, then comes up with, uh, Bambi? Sounds like a fake name, Langley says. Well, it's not, Scully says, incredibly defensive over her objectively terrible pseudonym. What are the odds, Langley says, two women named Bambi in the same place? Langley makes the follow me gesture and Scully trails behind him toward their table. Hey, chumps, this is my new friend Bambi, Langley says, standing over everyone as he sets down the pitcher. This is Byers. Byers gives her a warm smile and gentle nod. That's Frohickey. Frohickey looks up at Scully's chest, then makes eye contact, then looks back at her chest. And that's Fox, Langley says. Fox doesn't look up. His eyes are fixed on his empty plate. Hi, he squeaks out, reminding Scully of that nerdy kid that's on TV every Friday night. Steve Urkel, she thinks. Well, hi, Fox, she says, extending her hand. It's certainly a pleasure to meet you. She can see now that his Nick sweatshirt is stained with all sorts of condiments. Ketchup, mustard, barbecue sauce, a veritable rainbow of bad eating. Fox extends his hand and immediately knocks over an entire glass of beer, which he spills on his own lap. Smooth move, X-Lax, Frohickey says. Well, that's okay, Fox. I can be a little clumsy, too, Scully says with a smile. Can we talk alone at the bar, maybe? I have to go to the bathroom, Fox screams. He shoves past Byers and makes a beeline for the men's room. Scully sees that both his shoelaces are untied and his dinosaur underpants are showing above his waistband. He bumps into a waitress, knocking a tray of food to the ground with a large clatter, and barges into the men's room. He's a total loser, Scully says, louder than she meant to. Hey, she hears from below her. Would you rather talk to a real man? Frohickey winks at her. You know, Frohickey, she says, maybe I would. Scully takes her rental car back to the hotel where she's staying. There at the hotel lobby bar, she sees a man sitting discreetly in the corner, sucking back on a dark beer. It's Mulder. 
her Mulder, the Mulder that's been her partner for the last three years. I told you not to leave the room, she says. I got bored, he responds. Well, what did you find out? This world seems like our world, but there are a few subtle differences. Like what? Scully asks. Well, McDonald sells Whoppers and Burger King sells Big Macs. Did you just go to fast food places today? She asks. Pretty much, Mulder nods. Oh, and I saw Other You, the 1069 version. You should have led with that, Scully says. Sawy, Mulder says. What was she like? Scully asks. Hot, Mulder responds. Besides that, Scully sighs. Professional, Mulder responds. She works for the FBI. She looks like you, but not exactly. A little taller, hair a little redder, face a little... He struggles for an adjective. Facier. Facier, she says, tilting her head. I mean, she looks like she could be your sister. That's hot. Or your cousin that's also hot, Fox says, dreaming of other hot Scully family members. What about you? Did you find 1069 Mulder? Well, it's funny you mentioned terrible food, because I spent most of the evening in a Hooters. Does the Hooters in this world still have wings? Mulder asks. Yes, Scully responds. And Hooters? Mulder asks. Yes, Scully responds. Nice, Mulder says. I'll have to hit that up tomorrow. You can't, Scully says, because that's 1069 Mulder's favorite place. He ruined Hooters for me? He ruined Hooters for everyone, she responds. He made a scene, spilled a glass of beer, practically tackled some poor waitress. Mulder, I hate to break it to you, but this version of you is a mess. I mean, a total loser. Define total loser. His best friends are the lone gunmen, she says. Well, so are mine. He wears sweatpants in public, Scully says. He values comfort. I can respect that, Mulder says, munching on some beer nuts. He couldn't even make eye contact with me, Scully says. Well, Scully, you are very intimidating, Mulder responds with a wry smile as he takes a large slug of beer. Lastly, this Mulder is terrible with women, Scully says. How terrible, Fox asks. Frohickey gets more action than him. This is a bridge too far. Mulder slams down his beer, sending an arc of foam onto the wood grain countertop. What? Frohickey? He yells. Mulder, keep your voice down. Mulder is practically hyperventilating, trying to make sense of this. Then a thought passes through his skull, and he calms himself down. Oh, I get it, he says with a sigh of relief. Of course, I get it. Unlike our Frohickey, 1069 Frohickey must be a real stud. He's probably like the world's Harrison Ford. No, Scully says. He looks exactly like our Frohickey. And that guy is getting more action than me, Mulder whines. This is worse than I thought. What the hell are we going to do, Scully? Scully thinks back to three days ago when a woman appeared in Mulder's basement office. She wore cowboy boots, a rockabilly shirt, and had her hair in a strange pompadour. Hello, my name is Peggy Sue Bruckman, she said. Mulder stared at her round cheeks and tilted his head. Wait, as in... She nodded in understanding. Clyde Bruckman was my father, though he never knew about my conception, which happened in the bathroom of a Dion in the Belmonts concert. As Scully makes a stink face, picturing Clyde Bruckman getting his rocks off in a bathroom, Mulder puts two and two together. Of course, Mr. Bruckman got his powers because he overthought the death of the Big Bopper, who was on the same card as Deanna and the Belmonts the night of that famous winter concert. 
Peggy Sue nods. I read about how my father helped the FBI crack a string of unresolved murders a few months ago. In which publication did you read about it? Scully asks, picturing the New York Times or Washington Post. This one, she responds, throwing down an issue of Weekly World News, with Scully's photo being displayed alongside Mulder's, alongside an article about a woman impregnated by the Loch Ness Monster. Scully rolls her eyes. So much for being taken seriously. And as I focused on the picture of you two, I saw something, Peggy Sue says. What exactly, Mulder asks. Like my father, I have certain abilities, she explains. You can see how people die, Mulder wonders. I wish, she says with a snort. I can see directly into other universes. Or multiverses. Mulder raises an eyebrow as he turns to his partner. See, Scully, the multiverse theory states that... Scully cuts him off. Yeah, Mulder, I know about the multiverse. Everyone knows about the multiverse. Peggy Sue continues. You see, in every multiverse, you two are together romantically. Well... Not this one, Scully interjects. We are government officials, co-workers, and professionals. Our work is highly sensitive, which means our relationship is strictly platonic. Peggy Sue laughs. Then she laughs again. Then she laughs once more. Please, Peggy Sue says. I see that guy eye-fucking you right now. I wasn't, Mulder says, defensively, now looking at the pencils in the ceiling. I mean, look at the way you two interact with each other, Peggy Sue piles on. All of that UST. UST, Scully asks. Unresolved sexual tension, Peggy Sue responds. Oh, it's been resolved, Mulder says, twice this morning. Can you keep your mouth shut for two seconds, Scully snaps. She turns back to Peggy Sue. Okay, fine. Recently, because of our intense work schedule and natural biological needs, Agent Mulder and I have started engaging in a strictly sexual relationship. Strictly sexual, Mulder asks. I thought it was love. It is love, Peggy Sue says with a smile. Well, I've never used that word with him, Scully says. I've used it with her, Mulder says. Twice this morning, Scully responds through pursed lips. But you've never said it back, Mulder says sadly. Well, don't worry, she will, Peggy Sue explains. She says it in every single multiverse, except one, 1069. Which multiverse are we in? Mulder asks. 1013, she says. And what's wrong with 1069? Scully asks. That's for you to figure out, Peggy Sue responds. But you need to figure it out, and soon. What if we don't? Scully asks. Then, if 1069 Mulder and 1069 Scully don't get together, it will cause a chain reaction that will destroy all the other multiverses, leading to the obliteration of all life as we know it everywhere, she says, dramatically holding up her ring-covered hands. You know this for a fact? Scully asks skeptically. She shrugs calmly. It's more of a theory. How do we get to the 1069 universe? Mulder asks. There's a doorway in this bar I go to a lot, Peggy Sue responds calmly. Want to see it? And that's how they got here. Mulder sulks in his beer as Scully goes on to describe how big of a loser this universe's version of him happens to be. So I'm the problem, Mulder asks. I'm the reason. All of the multiverses are going to go the way of the dinosaur. If Peggy Sue's theory is correct, then yes, Scully says. How do we get these two together then, Mulder asks. Nerdburger Mulder and taller Scully. Scully shrugs, puffing out her cheeks. I'm going to spy on him tomorrow, and I'll let you know what I find out. 
In the meantime, you lay low. God only knows what would happen if 1013 Mulder came face to face with 1069 Mulder. Scully discovers that Mulder works at a local comic book store. She goes in shortly after they open and discreetly plants a listening device on the dustiest shelf she can find. 1069 Fox Mulder is behind the counter, doing inventory and eating a healthy breakfast of Cool Ranch Doritos and Cherry Coke. Scully goes to her rental vehicle, sits in the driver's seat, and listens in on Fox's conversation. Mostly he chats with the patrons of the comic shop, as well as Langley, Byers, and Frohickey, who all stop in one by one. She hears Frohickey flipping through the pages of a comic, making conversations with Fox, as he crunches down on more snacks. Wonder Woman is hot, Frohickey says. You mean like Linda Carter, Fox asks. No, I mean like the one in the comic books, Frohickey responds, holding up the pages. Gross, Frohickey, Mulder responds. Please, Frohickey scoffs. Tell me you wouldn't do anything to get in those star-spangled underpants. Frohickey exits the store and Scully peers in through the window to see Fox sitting there, all alone. She feels bad for him. He's such a depressed, sad sack. What went wrong in this universe to make him this way, she wonders. Just then, a car parks in front of the store and a woman gets out of a small sedan. She pulls a couple of bags of food from the passenger seat and walks towards the comic store. Since this is the first woman that Scully has seen walk into the comic store today, she's intrigued. She looks familiar, older, but familiar. Then on the listening device, Scully hears Fox talk to her. Hey, Sammy. Sammy, as in Samantha? Are you telling me that in this universe, Fox's sister wasn't abducted by aliens? Scully hears as Fox digs through the lunch bag his sister brought him and whines. A salad? I asked for chili fries. Look, big brother, I'm worried about your health, she says. I'm worried about a lot of things. What do you mean, Fox asks. I mean you went to an Ivy League college, but instead of using your degree, you're working at a comic book store and spending your weekends playing video games with Langley while going into online conspiracy theory chat rooms with buyers. The truth is out there, like out there somewhere, Fox says. The truth is, you can do better, Samantha says. I have to get back to work. Eat that salad. Samantha backs out of the comic book shop, goes to her car, and drives off. As Scully thinks about this moment she saw play out, she realizes that this fox, like her molder, really does have the potential for greatness. She realizes now is the time to go in there, talk to him, and try to help him find the strength to pursue his dreams. Scully exits the car and enters the comic book shop, but finds that Fox is no longer behind the counter. His untouched salad bowl sits alongside the cash register. She walks around the store, looking around the comic racks, walking past characters like Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man. Where the hell did he go, she wonders. She decides to head towards the back room, past a Pac-Man arcade machine, and towards a door which she believes must be for the shop's stockroom. And as she pushes open the door, she finds 1069 Fox hunched over the sink, looking down at a Wonder Woman comic and stroking his man-meat with his mouth agape. Upon hearing Scully, he turns to the door, locks eyes with her, and screams in horror. Occupied! I'm sorry, I thought this was the stockroom. It's the bathroom, he yells. Why didn't you lock the door, she screams. It's broken, he says, his face turning red. It's the middle of the day, Scully screams. I have needs, Mulder whines. They stand frozen, eyes locked, Fox's cock pressed against the newspaper print outline of Wonder Woman's ass. Then she looks down at it, and she can't take her eyes off of it. Why are you staring at me, he says. Close the door. 
Sorry, she says. It's just... Close the door, he pleads. So she does just that. Later that evening, Scully goes back to her motel room and fills her partner in on the events of her day. First and foremost, she starts with the headline. I accidentally walked in on him in the bathroom, she says. Doing what, Mulder says, aimlessly flipping through the channels from his motel bed. You know, Scully says, making the jerk-off gesture with her right hand. He was choking the chicken at his place of business, Mulder says, laughing. Really? You're shocked, Scully says. You do it all the time. Says who, Mulder says defensively. I caught you. That one time. You're telling me that was the only time? Okay, I guess 1069 Mulder and 1013 Mulder have a little bit in common, Mulder says with a smile. Scully moves in closer, pulling up a chair to Mulder's side of the bed. It's not just that, Scully says. I got a good look at his thing. His thing? Mulder asks. His dick thing, Scully says, and it's big. Well, Mulder says with a knowing, confident smile, I guess Fox Mulders are the same in every multiverse, then. Scully shakes her head. No, Mulder, you don't understand. It's really big. Mulder tilts his head, staring at her. Then it hits him. Wait, bigger than mine? Mm-hmm. But, but, but you said mine was the biggest you've ever seen. It was at the time. This one is bigger. But, but, but you said this Mulder is a loser. A total loser. And he's still bigger than me? Bigger than you. Well, how much bigger are we talking, Mulder says, standing up out of bed, with his hands sassily placed on his hips. Scully holds out her hands to show him how much longer. She reconsiders, then holds her hands out farther apart, then farther apart once again, looking like she caught the world's biggest fish. It's that long? Also, about this thick, she says, holding out her hands vertically. What? Mulder, it's like a third leg. It is, her partner exclaims. That's probably why he has to wear sweatpants, Scully concludes. He's smuggling a salami in those things, Mulder yells. Oh, he puts a salami to shame, she responds. And you're saying 1069 me can't get laid with a cock monster like that? Now you see how desperate the situation is, Scully says, sighing. She moves to the edge of the bed and sinks her head into her hands. What are we going to do? Mulder says, standing by the window, looking out at a dingy parking lot and thinking about this other fox Mulder's long, thick periscope. It turns out I've come up with what I believe to be a solution, Scully says, lifting up her head. Oh? Mulder asks. Well, this Mulder is very down on himself. He can barely make eye contact with a woman. As far as I can tell, he has no social skills whatsoever. Meanwhile, 1069 Scully is a career woman in a position of high power. So, 1069 Mulder needs a confidence boost. How do we do that, Mulder says, like a pep talk? No, I believe he needs to engage in some sort of, um, biological, physical exchange with a member of the opposite gender. English, Scully. I need to fuck him, Mulder. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page 
and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.